This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in Standard Orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Haley Stoddart. I am Zach Moore. And I am Ken Tripp. And this week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about what's in the news surrounding TOS, the um, the merger and acquisition between CVS and Viacom, and talking about a whole bunch of movie rumors and, and what's happening out there. So we've got some good stuff to cover. And I thought it would be interesting, and that could just be my opinion. You guys will certainly let me know if this is the wrong way to go talking about what is going on between Paramount and CVS. So this has been a crazy, crazy business year. You just saw uh, two huge acquisitions. You saw AT&T just purchased Time Warner. Huge deal. And then you just had uh, Disney make the final offer on Fox and all their movie assets. Uh, Comcast is also in that bidding, trying to get those assets from Fox, which is essentially everything but their sports and news division. So all their TV channels, all their movies, see, that mouse is getting big and powerful. And in the middle of all of this has been this back and forth between CBS and Viacom. Now, what's interesting is it used to all be one company under National Amusements, owned by a guy named Sumner Redstone. He's a very interesting character. He's in his 90s. Uh, Right now, it's chaired by his daughter, Sherry. And the reason I know so much about these guys is is they're fairly local. National Amusements was a a movie theater chain back in the day, and it bought CBS, and it bought Paramount, and it grew like crazy, you know, as a lot of companies did in the late 90s and 2000s. And then they had this feeling that the that the sum of its parts were bigger than the sum of its whole. So in 2004 or 5, roughly, they split Paramount and CBS into two separate organizations. Now, they are their own companies, but the, the largest stockholder is still the Redstones in National Amusement. And so they have a controlling interest in both companies, even though they're separate. And that's why you don't have... You know, a lot of the Star Trek, you know, Paramount got all the movie rights and CBS got all the television rights. So one can make movies, one can make TV, but there's no kind of joint co-ownership of the two, you know, and everything would have to become some kind of legal negotiation to bring those two 
factions together. So if you wanted to bring, let's say, the new show Discovery and add elements from the JJ-verse, let's say, or those actors or those plot lines, there would have to be negotiations, rights, fees, all that stuff going back and forth. And if they don't do that, then neither side can kind of play in those realms, which is, which is kind of interesting. So early in 2018, Viacom now believes that the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and CBS does not agree. Uh, Les Moonves owns CBS, I'm sorry, he's the chairman of CBS. He's got nothing but growth, right? He's got the number one comedy in Big Bang Theory. He's got NCIS. He's got all these hit shows, one after another. CBS has really been knocking it onto the park. They own NFL rights. They've been growing at roughly... 12.5% year over year, which is an unheard of number in any industry. Then you have Paramount. We all know Paramount has really struggled uh, keeping up with the movies and the launches. I mean, Disney is just with its acquisition of Lucasfilm, with its acquisition of Marvel, and Universal with the Jurassic Park series have been just dominating the box office. So Paramount, its only hit really was a Quiet Place. And that was kind of a sleeper hit that did very, very well. But it hasn't pulled them kind mm-hmm. of out of, um, out of the trenches yet. But be that as it may, Sherry uh, really wanted to bring these two companies together. And there were a lot of us in the Star Trek world that were cheering them on because selfishly, it could bring the franchises back, meaning both the TV mm-hmm. and the movie group could start to talk to one another. They could make Discovery films. They could make Next Generation films. There's no reason why they can't today, but they could they could kick one off from a TV show and then spawn it into the movie, so to speak, without having to acquire rights, spend all kinds of money, et cetera, et cetera. So CBS did not want this merger, so they submitted a below-value bid, a real below-value bid, and told Sherry Redstone in no uncertain terms that the CBS television leadership must be in command of, of the joint company. And Redstone wanted nothing to do with that. She wanted her COO to at least be the number two. It went back and forth, and then CBS filed a lawsuit against Redstone, claiming that just because they had majority stock ownership did not give did not give her the right to make these edicts and to force people into things or whatever. Unprecedented lawsuit. CBS lost, by the way, but they still put up uh, a significant wall. If you look behind the scenes, though, there were other things going on that a lot of people don't know about. And that is that before AT&T went after Time Warner, they wanted to buy CBS. And they went to the Redstones to see if they could, you know, buy that stock uh, or what. I, re- I remember hearing about when, when was this? This was just a few months ago? Yeah, well, it, it came or? out a few months ago, but it came out before the, uh-huh. you know, the Disney merger, which obviously had to go to court because right. the FTC was saying they would be too big a conglomerate, right? They would own the phones, they would own the cable, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they lost, by the way. I mean, the government lost, so the merger continues. That was The people lost, really, Ken, if you really think about it, right? <laughs> you know, we won't know unless we see the rates go up. If the rates go down, the people won. If the rates go up, the people mm-hmm. lost, right? That's, I mean, that's there a simple go. way of looking at it. And then also behind the scenes, Verizon approached um, CVS and also wanted uh, to buy CVS. So, you know, Verizon, AT&T, they're all looking for to merge. Right to to pull these companies together so that they can have a good streaming service that they you know there there's no way to grow independently now everything is coming closer and closer together and Redstone what really wanted to sell both Paramount and CVS to Verizon that was the super double secret piece that was going on that a lot of people never heard of and that's why she was trying to pull the two together so 
it was interesting because you saw a lot of comments of Star Trek fans going, oh, this would be great. And I do believe for Star Trek, it would be great. For shareholders, for the industry, it's kind of questionable whether or not it would be great. But it is pretty much done. It does not look like it's it's going anywhere. Both sides have kind of stepped back from it all. The uh, The media has definitely toned down on the speculation. And people, up until recently, were investing more in CBS and buying that stock because of its growth. And Viacom, which is still National Amusements, but it has the old Viacom symbol, VIA, if you wanted to look it up in the stock market. Viacom. Viacom. I remember back when and all the, yeah. uh, the Star Trek shows were in syndication, uh, they, they would, you know, have... Viacom at the end of them, you know, and now that's been replaced with, you know, CBS Studios. So if you watch the shows on, you know, uh, Netflix or Hulu or wherever, right, at the end is that, that CBS Studios logo comes up that's instead right. of the whole Viacom. That's right. So what what is kind of interesting about these two companies, right, is Viacom owns Paramount, makes movies, owns MTV, owns the Paramount Network. So they're, they've got cable channels, they've got a lot of I guess a lot of value in what they well, do have. Well, well, yeah. Let me stop right there just to contextualize. The Paramount Network is what used to be Spike TV, right. which is it used to be TNN, which was it used to be the Nashville Network. So the Paramount Network is when I first heard the Paramount Network, I, I had kind of been out of like the the weeds of the business uh, of television for a while, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What? Did they UPN come back or something?" But no, no the, the Paramount Network is not UPN. UPN is long dead. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they tried a couple times with that. And, uh, and CBS owns Showtime and has some cable channels as well, as well as their broadcast. And then CBS uh, online streaming service, which just launched, obviously, with Discovery being its headliner and trying to push things through. And they had a pretty good successful run so far with the streaming. I haven't seen or read much about their last investor call to see how many people dropped off when Star Trek dropped off to see how, mm. how much of a draw it is. I will say I never left All Access, but I've only been on it once, really, uh, about two or three weeks after the, um, the end of Discovery. Because they're really, you know, if you want to watch a bunch of CBS shows, yeah, I guess you can go on there. They had like two or three movies, and that's it, which I thought was kind of funny. And uh, so, so they're still working that out. And I think if they could have combined, obviously, CBS would have had access to all of Paramount. So in the future... You see that Disney's going to have its own streamlining service, and it's going to be dominant because it's going to have Fox movies, Marvel movies, its own, and Lucasfilm, right? Netflix. Original Star Wars content. Huge, huge content, right? So Disney looks unstoppable. In order to compete, content is king, and that's why you see a lot of independent things. Even HBO and all the, you know, they're spending billions trying to kind of keep up with it all and build independent content that people like. And if you really look at it, you know, Netflix stock is through the roof, but it makes very little money because they're spending so much money on development. Whereas Disney, it has capital, it has cash, cash is king. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. And I'm guessing that that eventually both um, Paramount and CVS will be bought up by somebody, Comcast, somewhere along those lines, because in order to compete, you need to have a big library. And uh, I think Disney's probably reached its zenith. Um, AT&T with Time Warner's probably reached its zenith. So there could be one more company that could probably merge all these things together and still have um, the ability to compete at some level with these streaming services, which is the way it's going, right? Cord cutting and all those things are happening. So I will say, you know, you, you can have said that you kept your CBS. I still have mine. But again, I don't have anything other than my Netflix. 
Um, I do have, I have Hulu. Um, so I kept mine because, you know, you mentioned NCIS. I've been following that show forever, so I still get on every now and then and catch up on episodes because, yeah, Netflix might have it, but they don't have the current season. Um, I think Netflix was, was hurt by the fact that they took all these Star Trek movies off of their streaming. I was kind of mad about that, not gonna lie. Granted, yeah, I have them on actual media, but but still, I think that was kind of, I remember being very mad about that. I'm like, you're keeping the shows, but you're taking the movies <laughs> off? That's stupid. Like, what is that, Netflix? <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is all super interesting. And, and you know, I think as a, as a Trek fan, I really would have enjoyed if they had been able to make that merger to make it a little easier. But from other standpoints and maybe from other shows and whatnot, I can understand why it did fall through. I think it's going to be interesting to see if one big company does because the only way they're coming together if somebody buys both, but they're not going to merge, right? There's too much, well, do you too think, much bad do you, blood. Do you think Comcast was interested in buying Fox? Right, and they're still in that game a and little bit. They haven't given that's not, yeah, that's not a closed deal. But right. but but my thinking is perhaps. If if the Disney Fox merger does go through and approve, Comcast is out. Well, they had all that capital. They were gonna they were looking to acquire Fox. Maybe they turn their eye over to CBS and try to acquire them. The problem is Comcast owns Universal today and NBC. So in order for ah. them to get the CBS network, it would be very very difficult. I could see an outlier like Verizon come in potentially because they've got to do something. Mm-hmm. They've got to do AT and T is mm-hmm. just growing, 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 and. I think Verizon just recently bought T-Mobile. I might be wrong. Yeah, Verizon and T-Mobile. Yeah. Are, so are, they've, are, yes. they've come together. But Verizon has a big cable company too, right? And people are cutting the cords. So they, that might be the outside shot. It's going to be really interesting to see where it goes. So yeah, lots of interesting inside baseball as far as business goes in the entertainment industry. That Excellent knowledge and research there, Ken. Thank you very much for that. And... You know, you ask yourself, oh, we're just Star Trek fans. Why do we care? Well, all this affects the content, right? Uh, all, uh, so many people ask, like, well, why can't we have the JJ-verse and Discovery? and that other? Those are These are separate things, like, legally. Like, you right. cannot cross them over. <laughs> so you can't – Yeah, I mean, I know you I've said – You can't cross the streams. You can't cross the streams. The first rule of Ghostbusters, you can't cross the streams, right? So, I mean, I've often said, oh, why can't they just reuse – the actors, because I, I thought, okay, if you, you recast, I've said this many times on the network, like if you're recasting Sarek or, or Spock or whoever, can't we just reuse, we've already recast them for the Kelvin timeline. We have great actors portraying them. Can we just reuse them in the show? And I guess technically, there's probably not a rule against that, but it's probably frowned upon. There might be some clause in the contract. I don't know. But legally, they need to keep these two things as separate as possible. That's why the Kelvin timeline enterprise looks so radically different than the you know Discovery enterprise, you know. Uh, th- and there were actually, I'm not sure, there's some unsubstantiated rumors that they legally had to change the look of the Enterprise a certain amount in order to not infringe on the visual copyright of the others. And, and that's really inside baseball there. But the fact is, you know, uh, Star Trek is unfortunately kind of uh, broken up right now, right? I mean, you have, I mean, you look at the excellent job that CBS Digital did with uh, Star Trek Next Generation Remastered, you know, excellent amount of care put into that. Uh, the original series remastered, same thing. CBS, right? That, that's the that's the house they were using. Uh, unfortunately, you turn you look over at the Star Trek movies. They have unfortunately not gotten the same remastering treatment. Yes, they're in, we have them in HD now on Blu-ray. But if you look at you know you see they're not cleaned up. You know, like I feel like if CBS you know had you know the rights to these movies, you wouldn't see the matte lines and the blue screen and that kind of thing. They would do a full re- restoration 
of the films to kind of, to, to, you know, not Star Wars special edition style, but, you know, where, where yeah, you... Yeah, please, no. Yeah, <laughs> where you don't have, like, the digital noise reduction, you know, because I think that's overdone on some of the Blu-rays where you see they try to they try to get grain out of older footage and it looks all kind of blurry sometimes. I think the Star Trek films suffer from some of that. So, you know, the films suffer. I mean, we still have, you know, the motion picture. The director's edition sits there in standard definition when just a little more care, money, computer processing, you know, they could upgrade that or do it from scratch from uh, from SD to HD. So uh, there's all that going on. Then there's also just the Star Trek on TV versus Star Trek in the movies. And that, that we still have these two parallel lanes here, you know, post-2005. It's interesting that, you know, we really hadn't had to deal with this much as Star Trek fans because when Enterprise ended in 05 and the movie franchise was over after Nemesis for a while, that's when all this business went down, really. Right. So it wasn't until the the Kelvin timeline movies got started and people said, "Oh, why can't we get Star Trek back on TV?" It's like, "Well, do you have a few minutes? Sit down, let me explain it to you." <laughs> That's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people wanting, you know, to to see the movies redone, things along those lines. But it's uh, it's very very difficult because the um, the profit's just not there, and that's what drives everything, right? right? So. As much as the that's that's why DS Nine never got it. That's why Voyager will never get it. If if we'll see, we'll see. No, one well, day, okay, maybe if if I'm doing my con. If 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 um, if Discovery pulls in a large new fan base, which it looks like it's captured the original one and the ones through JJ Trek, but it's hard to see a lot of people going back. And with all the content we have today, and all the youth that's out there, and what they're what they're doing a lot of people don't go back very far because there's just they don't really need Deep Space Nine oh my Voyager, god there's right. so much coming out i mean you know you look at netflix you look at all these cable channels you look at all this original programming it would be very very interesting to see if if in doing it it would mean anything because you're not going to sell dvds anymore everybody streams so it's, well, that, it's fascinating see, that, to I me i think though that that might help that the fact that they don't make the blu-rays or anything because next generation Right? Yeah. Came out on Blu-ray, very expensive project, extremely expensive, and did not do well profit-wise. They did not make near as much amount as they had hoped to make, and that is what killed you know the, everything else. Why don't they just move on to Deep Space Nine or Voyager? Like, well, it's in sell. So, um, but I think if we get to the point where everything, and I'm a physical media guy, I love buy, I, I love buying the discs and displaying them on my shelves and showing off my collection and whatnot. But that's not where you know society, the average public, the average person is going right now. I think if we get to the point where it's cost-effective enough to just remaster the shows and then put them on streaming and make those exclusive to streaming, you know that that's the loophole that could happen where you could finally get Deep Space Nine or Voyager in HD. I mean, and that's the only way we're going to get it. I agree with you, Ken. I don't think they're going to be printing, printing Blu-rays and sending them out in stores and and just go to your local Which Best is sad. Buy. You know, there's no they sad. don't sell Blu-rays and DVDs anymore. It's like a small. I remember you get you guys remember back in the day Best Buy, Circuit City, right? You go in there giant sections of, of Blu-rays and DVDs and VHS tapes, right? And now it's like three rows of new releases, maybe some older stuff if it ties in. Like, oh, there's a new Jurassic Park or Marvel movie. Here's the big Jurassic Park or Marvel shelf. But other than that, there's not much at your brick-and-mortar stores anymore. And so so that, it, that is just – that's a money pit there. So, yeah, I agree. We're never going to get them on disc, but streaming might be the answer. And if they made those a CBS All Access exclusive, you might be able to uh, bring in some of the older fans – who have decided not to, you know, take the plunge into, you know, paying the fee every month for CBS All Access. I think, though, with, you know, with DS9, 
I know a lot of people who would definitely buy it if they put it on physical media. I would. I still want the TNG ones. I have the TOS on Blu-ray. Uh, I still want the remastered TNG ones. I'm definitely still a physical copy of a DVD movie, whatever it is. I have started acquiring Blu-rays, which is really nice because um, I'm super late to the game and I just got a Blu-ray player not even a year ago. So, <laughs> but but you're right. You know, if they if they could do it and add it to the streaming service, would be great. Maybe if they did something where it was like a limited release number of physical copies. I know I still know plenty of people who would buy the actual remastered Blu-ray versions of Deep Space Nine for sure. Well, and, th- and that's something that, like the Warner Warner Archive does a, a service like this, right? They have limited titles that they know are not going to have a wide appeal to like ever like it, they can't justify printing printing them in mass quantities. But they make a limited amount. Like they made like Superman the movie, right? It had a three-hour TV cut and HD Blu-ray came out, right? And it's sold through Warner Archive. So they're not – you can't go down and find it at Walmart or Target, but you can order it online. So that way, you know, they're not investing as much as they would otherwise. And, you know, if CBS or – however all this shakes out, right? I would still – like if it if it were on – if D Space Nine was an HD on CBS All Access, yeah, instant subscribe. But also like I would immediately buy it when it came out because I want to own it. I want to have it on my shelf because, again – what if your internet's down, right? What you know? What, that's the thing about. What do you do? Yeah, what do you do? If you're stranded on a desert island without internet. What do you do, right? So you want your physical disc. So um, that yeah. So that and, hey, we have people always say, I can't believe we have Star Trek the animated series in HD, but not D Space Nine or Voyager. It's like okay, come on, do five minutes of research, you don't understand <laughs> why why that is, right? So. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. I think, like I said, the best thing that could happen is that somehow. An overarching company buys these two um, individual corporations and pulls them together. The worst thing that could happen is two very different companies buy one and the other, and the Star Treks will never come back together again. So it's, you know, it, there's there's just a, a, a lot of risk in all of this. It's a uh, it's a crazy time for in in the media in these companies. It really really is, and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know which horse to bet on right now, but I will be paying close attention. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there has any additional questions or whatever, go ahead and send them in on the Babel Conference or I am me or whatever. I'll let you know what, I, what, what, what we can find out here. Isn't it crazy how, like, savvy fans have to become now to, like, understand what's going on with their franchises? Right? It's like, I mean, all the stuff with, like, Lucasfilm these days, all the Star Wars behind-the-scenes directors and fires and rehires and reshoots and we got star trek over here split between two people it's like wasn't wasn't there a simpler time we just like watched entertainment and enjoyed it and that was it and waited for the next one and now we're all like well i wonder i wonder if comcast is gonna buy fill in the blank <laughs> right, to figure out what our next <laughs> movie is gonna be it's just it's very odd how everything has become yeah I, I i honestly don't know how many people really pay attention i think as star trek fans we do but just in just in general things, Zach, it's funny, you know, as uh, <laughs> you say that on Independence Day, I'm watching, uh, you know, one of those reporters ask some folks up in New Hampshire, you know, what what is Independence Day all about? Where did we gain our freedom from? And I would say like one out of every 10 could answer it correctly. I was shaking my head. And, and it's just like, wow, with all that ability to go on Google and pull all this information and learn it. How many people really don't? And I think most people are on cruise control when it comes to stuff that's going on in the business world like this because, you know, it doesn't impact them. They really don't care. If, if the show's on, great. If it's not, great. 
Star Trek, though, whole different game. People get pulled into it. But you are right. People are like, they define success on how much money it made, not so much its reviews or art and all that other stuff. It has definitely become all about the, the money. It always has been about the money, the big deep down. But more, but more so. so. You're right, Haley. It really has become yeah. the, you know, and what is kind of neat, though, is that a movie that might not be successful in the box office finds its legs on streaming and DVD and all that other stuff, right? I mean, there's a lot of movies like that that, you know, Caddyshack's a great example, bombed in the theater and is probably looked at as like an all-time classic comedy now. It's just funny how those things happen. Blade Runner, bombed 30 years ago. Bombed again. Became a cult classic. They made a sequel. It bombed again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's consistent so, it's consistent well i, I love it. they said well we, we we you know doing the studies like well we've established that everyone who went and saw the original Blade runner also went and saw the sequel, so. <laughs> the 12 of us that were anyway. alive back then oh god that's funny <laughs> well speak you know speaking of cbs all access and 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 what what might be next for star trek you know there, there are, there's lots of and that's part of the our our idea doing this episode is there's so much news going on right now about you know Star Trek and what might be next. So I, you know, I, I want to jump into Ooh. what uh, some of these potential new series that have been rumored uh, for, for from CBS All Access because Alex Kurtzman, who was a co-writer and producer on on the first couple of uh, Kelvin Timeline films, uh, he's been signed to a five-year deal from CBS to oversee the, the Star Trek franchise and okay, kind of making him the new Rick Berman, I guess would be the uh, the, the the parallel there. And there, there, there's a, a set of potential new shows. Now, these are all rumors, right? There's nothing, nothing official announcement has been made. We've been hearing, for example... We, we do like our speculation, right? But that's what the, why, why else do we talk, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what we do as fans, right? So, so take this all with a grain of salt, right? But we're going we're gonna to do what fans do, and we're going to speculate about some of this stuff. Now, one of these is obviously a, a mini-series, be it a film series or short show uh, focusing on Khan. This has been... This has been rumored for, for a long time now from Nicholas Meyer, especially when Nicholas Meyer kind of stepped away from the day-to-day and pretty much most involvement with Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we thought, oh, well, he's, he's working on this on, on the side. And apparently he was, and he's actually said a few words about, yeah, well, you know, we're going to do this con movies, but, you know, see, and then he mentioned all the business stuff going on now, and that's the problem. But one of these rumored is a limited series around con. Um, would not be Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Because, again, remember, guys, these are two different – we, we were just talking about there's completely different businesses and universes and whatnot, so they'd have to recast Khan again, which is some people would be like, oh, good, Benedict Cumberbatch, you look nothing like Khan. That's his own conversation we've had that many times before. So that's one, you know, if Nicholas Meyer is involved, I am there first in line. So of, of, all, the, of all the rumored shows, I'm still most excited about this one. What about you guys? I think if they get the right actor to play Khan, I mean, they've got, they've got to pick someone that's going to pull in – Pull in fans because Khan is is so iconic, and because there iconic, was so much uh, anger. Sorry, but because there was so much anger and outrage about Into Darkness and and the whitewashing of Khan and everything like that, um, in my head a little bit, I, I blame it as you know he wasn't stuck on this planet so he didn't get all this tan from all the sun because anyway so um you know so I think they've got to find the right actor and then I think definitely if they find someone that a lot of the fans will be like yes and can get behind that even if it's just a mini series would probably take off like crazy 
What do you think? No, Ken? I think it'll crash and burn on the no. runway. Yeah, a couple of reasons why. Even even with Meyer, even with Meyer. Yeah, uh, one I I don't think. Well, I I will say a couple things. Right, first, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness was very controversial among Star Trek fans. It was the most successful Star Trek movie ever. Period. There's no second yeah. guessing about that. And the people that you hear complaining about the whitewashing and all that stuff. Well, I don't say they're wrong, by the way. I, I, I was an interesting casting choice, no doubt. You know, it's always the the vocal few that drive that. And then you think, oh, a lot of people mm. think that. A lot of people are big Benedict Cumberbatch fans and loved him just because of his voice. This person yeah, right he's, here. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. sexy. No doubt about it. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, he's... He's, he, he's an interesting he's, looking guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it wasn't Khan and it was Jonathan Harris and he was just one of the crew that was on the Botany Bay, it would have been fine. John... It's John Harrison. Harrison. You always Harrison. say Jonathan yeah, Harrison. Always... You always think about the doctor from Lost in Space. I do, but anyway, God. it's Harrison. Harrison. So anyway, I just um, right. If he was his own, if he was his own character, if he was his, absolutely. If he was his own character, it, it there would have been none of that controversy, right? But at any rate, right. um, I just don't see a lot of people um, signing up for that. I I think that, again, the Star Trek fans will, and I'd love it in the sense that. Hey, it's you know it's kind of in our wheelhouse. So anything that pulls into standard orbit, I'm like, hey, get the lasso out and yeah, pull it's it more in. More to talk about, excellent. Yeah, but I, I just I just have a funny feeling that um, it's it's gone too long and and there's just so little happening. Or if it if it's really super double secret, like the um, the Cloverfield films or something like that, that's one thing. But <laughs> I don't know. Nobody keeps secrets. You know, all we have to do is say, hey, Jonathan Frakes, have you heard anything about Space Seed or a new Wrath of Khan? And if he says no, it ain't happening because he doesn't keep his mouth shut about anything. <laughs> no. no, he doesn't. <laughs> he does not have the ability to, to keep silent. So I, well, I would it be interesting? Yes, but I just don't think it'll go anywhere. That's just me. Yeah. Well, we, who do you think that they that they could cast as? Would it be like a a younger Khan, or are we looking at maybe, you know, Khan kind of as we saw him? Well, it depends what, on the like, story, what right? Age range. It depends on the story. If they want to do the rise yeah. of Khan on Earth in the nineties, you know, then somebody in their thirties, you know, if they want to do like Khan on City Alpha Five, if they can go there, then you can pretty much cast any age range between like thirty and fifty. Yeah, I, I yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't know a uh, a ton of Indian actors, and I know there's a lot of them. There's no doubt, but there's not a lot. I, I you know, I I don't know why I always think of M Night. Oh, I screw up his name all the time. Shalamalan. Shalamalan. Yeah, yeah. Shalamalan. The director? Huh? The director. <laughs> the director. Yeah, but he's always he's always starred in his own films. He's always had that cameo, right? In every movie he's made, he's in there somewhere. Um, and and I know his. I don't know why. Listen, I have, there's no reason to think that that's where they go. He's just the only guy I can think of off the top of my head, who you know back in you know he made Six Sense and um, Sightings and all that. St- or yeah. Signs, Signs. I'm sorry, Signs. Those are really good movies. He hasn't done that well since. But at any rate, I I really don't know who they would cast. It would be controversial, you know. It'd be. Um, I think they should definitely. I think they should definitely go Indian though. If like, they can, let's, let's embrace yeah. the ethnicity of the character. I think in today's world, it's the smartest thing to do, and it's also the right thing to do. You know, exactly. The yeah, only exactly. the only guy I could think of, and he might be a little old now, uh, because of the J.J. Abrams connection, and you know, because you know, Bad Robot, Alex Kirkson, these guys are all still connected. Um, Naveen Andrews 
right? He was on Lost. He played Saeed on ah, Lost. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the guy that came to mind just because of the bad robot connection, you know, uh, with Lost. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I mean, hey, he looks great still. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, I think he's almost 50, but you can't tell. So I well, would, like uh, me. he'd be on my short list. No, like you, <laughs> you know what you like. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> So, so if if we're looking if we're looking for, to to stay true to the ethnicity of the, of the character himself, that's the main guy that came to mind for me. And you know, then you have your Javier Bardem's of the world, right? Because of course Ricardo Montalban was Mexican in ethnicity, so you can go the Hispanic route again if you really want. That's what Abrams wanted to do in the Darkness. They wanted to get Del Toro, but apparently negotiations broke down, and then they went a completely different direction with Cumberbatch. So yeah, yeah, they boy they did go one eight zero. That would have been an interesting pick. Del Toro's definitely his yeah. star is on the rise lately. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I think if we could, one of the rumored possibilities would be a Starfleet Academy type show, which I think would be really, really cool. You mean like in a Dawson's <laughs> Creek kind of way or what? What do you think? <laughs> uh, no, I... I didn't watch that, so no, I, I don't know about that show. But, um, I mean, I remember hearing about it, but I never watched it. But, no, I think it became be neat just to see. Like, everybody huh? knows the song. Everybody knows the song. Everybody sing along now. <laughs> I think it would be kind of interesting and, and to see what they could do because where, yeah, we've had snippets of, of the Academy here and there and episodes and things like that. We to have something centered around that, I think would be kind of different. It just it would be very very different. It wouldn't be anything that we've seen. I don't think before. Well, this show is is a uh, rumored to come from creators Stephanie Savage and John Swartz, and they created uh, Gossip Girl on the CW and also the CW's reboot of Dynasty. Uh, so they they're in that kind of young adult teenager kind of world realm. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of CW shows because I watch all the superhero shows. So uh, that's funny. CW is kind of becoming the DC network, right? They have Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, all these shows. So uh, it depends on how they do it. You can find a good balance. You don't want it to be too Dawson's Creek. You know, that's that's the cliche everybody uses, right? You don't want to be too much that. Jeez, I thought I was original you, with that. Sorry, go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, I host I host the Smallville, you know, my Smallville podcast. Everybody calls Smallville like Dawson's Creek with super. Oh, right? I never heard that. So it's like okay. A, it's like a sore spot for me. Yeah. People are like, yeah, oh, look, there's more to it. You don't understand. <laughs> I was wondering why you were starting to tear up when I said that. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> You'd be worried. Sorry, man. No, uh, but I think I think if you find a balance, yeah, you can have your young adult angst and drama and whatnot. But also, let, let's get let's let's find a good excuse to expand the Star Trek mythology. We get to have an exterior uh, extended show on Earth, which would be interesting because we see Earth every now and then in the movies and TV shows. But to really get what a flavor of what life on Earth is like in the twenty third or twenty fourth century would be interesting. Well, and I don't think, you know, for me, I look at Starfleet Academy as, yeah, there's going to be those, those who are there that are just out of high school or whatever, kind of, you know, but it's still, to me, it's very much college. And I look at it as when I went back to school, I was very much the older student. Yeah, I was in classes with some younger students, um, 
and a lot of students were younger than me, but there was also a lot of students who were older than me. There was a lot of students my age. So it's not necessarily just like, oh, we're just out of high school and we're all still like these young teenagers acting stupid. I I think if they take it as a, this is a mixture of people because not everybody goes to academy like right out of school or, you know, maybe someone wants to go back and they can take it as, oh, it's a career change, just like, um, you know, sometimes people military-wise, you know, they join the military, they're in one career field, and then they decide at a certain point, I'm going to change career fields, and I've got to go back and do some training to train into this new career field that I want to go into. So I think it's going to, it could have this mixture of both, yes, there's younger students, but there's also those older students as well. And so it's, it's a roundabout combination, and it's not going to be this teenager thing. At least that's what I would hope I think you hit on a couple of really cool ideas there because some things I hadn't thought about until I was listening to you and one of them was it's not okay. just the um, the diversity that gets pulled into Starfleet Academy from Earth it's galactic right so you've got all these different yeah. races coming together we've seen snippets in the next generation we've seen it in DS9 we've seen um, obviously Star Trek 09 pieces of the Academy and, and certain things and, and how it looks and it's it's kind of neat but it would be kind of cool to to take it from a couple of aspects. One, we probably could see what Earth truly looks like, you know, as as conceived in the 23rd century, because they're not just going to hang on campus, right? They are going to go off to uh, San Francisco. Well, it depends on how big their budget is. <laughs> yeah, it also depends, that, you know, if if the defiant bad guy ship lands on it too. But I mean, there's a couple of things you yeah. just got to, you know, yeah. be be worried about there. But I, I think that. Uh, it, you know, from that perspective alone, I think it would be fascinating because it could kind of, it, it kind of goes to what we were talking about, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about Yorktown. It would be nice to see if they could pull off how this utopian future happens and we could learn about it on the ground versus just up in the ships, which is just talked about behind the scenes. But because it's so complicated to kind of figure it out, they never really do. Right. So that'd be kind of nice. It would be it would be a very expensive show though because you really couldn't unless you have like an exterior set or a classroom set, almost everything would have to be from scratch. You know, uh, they can't like a lot of these shows, CW shows for example, right? That's um, kind of that mindset because of the the creators. Like they shoot in Canada, so there's a lot of stuff in the woods, right? Or you know, there's like Main Street USA kind of old town stuff. But um, I, I think I think if they could, you know, make 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 a nice balance between bottle shows of like, okay, guys, we're on campus this week, but then maybe they go on, you know, they have a field trip, right? To the field trip to the enterprise or something, right? That'd be cool. Or some of the field trip to the fill in the blank. Then you could, you could expand the world that way and still save the budget. And I think uh, having, again, it depends on what time period. It depends on what kind of continuity we're going for here, but having, you know, here we have our special guest speaker, Captain Riker from the Titan, right? Right, you know, just somebody a special guest star this week would be cool. And of course, you have to have Boothby as well. So uh, I have to recast Boothby at this point. Uh, fortunately, the actor has passed away, but uh, got to see him if you're going to be on Starfleet Academy campus, right? My favorite Martian. Got to do it. Okay. Oh, so Chris, so oh, cool. like Christopher Lloyd can be the new Boothby. It's perfect because he was the he was in the my oh, yeah. favorite Martian movie. <laughs> How do you remember that stuff? That's crazy. I don't know. I, I have so much useless knowledge in my head. It's sad. But um, so it, there are lots of possibilities there. I'd be very interested to see what direction they go in. So it's a good call there, Haley. So uh, the last one with any kind of real information is an animated series. 
whose, quote, plot details are being kept under wraps. So that's very – thank you for that variety. Very interesting scoop there. Um, now, we can tie this into another angle that's been buzzing around. There's been lots of rumors about Patrick Stewart coming back to Star Trek. And he's done a lot of voice work, you know, with American Dad uh, recently. And then, obviously, he's still a very active actor. So I think if he were going to return, it would be in an animated form. And this, oh, I didn't think about that. This that would be, be cool. Yeah, this could be. <laughs> now, to me, this is very exciting because all of the next-gen cast have done animation, right? They've all done, most of them have done Gargoyles, for example. Like, the whole TNG cast is in Gargoyles. Um, you could have a, a Star Trek The Next Generation animated show that just is further adventures of the Next Generation crew in animated form. And I think that would be, if we're going to have another Star Trek animated series, I think I would love that, and I think everybody would love that as well. What do you guys think? Ailey's nodding her head already. She, she likes it. I think that would be really fun. Like, that would be really cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah. You could even do, like, you know, any seat. You could do season one, two. It doesn't matter, right? You could bring back Denise Crosby. He's always looking for work with Star Trek. Uh, you can bring her back, do some season one episodes. Uh, you, you know, just all around. Because, you know, we have the eight years on the D, and then you could even do some fill-ins, you know, and on the E. You know, you could jump all over. That's the beauty of animation. All you got to do is draw differently, you know, the next season or something. So, to me, I would love, a, like, a, a next-generation anthology animated series. That's what I would love to see out of this. Yeah, that, that's that's that would be great. I Like you said, there's, there's no information on this whatsoever. <laughs> but... If there's if there's a series out there that that is more beloved than TNG among Star Trek fans, I don't know what it is. I mean, it, you know, everybody seems to to drive towards that, and that's where a lot of people, like the two of you, grew up on it. So it would be nice to see again. Absolutely, you really couldn't do it with DS Nine as much, I don't think. Voyager potentially you could. I just don't know if it would have the draw. It wasn't as universally appealing as TNG. It had its good parts and its bad parts, but it wasn't universal. And Enterprise too, I think it's like I think we've had enough of the pre prequels. Let's 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 either go alternative timeline, which I know I always said this one timeline, but I get it. I can live with it. <laughs> but uh, or, you know, let's let's go beyond a little bit, no pun intended, and let's just see what happened after Nemesis. What what I'm I'm curious. Well, and I think they could lead off from, you know, the end of season seven. And, you know, if they wanted to pull in, you know, some of the actors from Deep Space Nine, you know, into it, they could. Just because we already saw them interacting a little bit in the, you know, in Deep Space Nine. Worf joins Deep Space Nine and stuff like that. I think they could lead off from that. They could do anything in between the movies. They could lead after the movies. Who they knows? could do a Star yeah. Wars yeah, and, type know, and, thing with Dominion War, right? We really, we really don't know what could. the Enterprise uh, is doing. Budget yeah. and, and animation—you could do all kinds of space battles and stuff. Not really worry about the budget as much, right? I think, you know, we're kind of we're kind of conflating these two rumors of like, hey, Patrick Stewart and animated series, just because to me that makes sense. I mean, it could the animated series could be anything. You know, it could be Discovery, the animated series, right? I mean, who know, who know, the Captain the Chinzu, right? You know, Captain Georgiou, and you know, before the adventures of Burnham, before the mutiny, and all that. You, you, you don't know. You don't know. So it it could be a lot of things. Yeah, but I hope it's. So, I mean, I, well, I hope it's that. And I'll tell you, it, it's you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's Patrick Stewart could do one more movie, and he looks great for his age. But I, I remember, boy, you know, the last three or four movies with the original cast and the way the media just killed them every time. It wasn't really about the movie. It was like, you know, you had the Jim Carrey thing, you know, with, with Captain Kirk using a walker. You had 
everybody was just you know making fun. The Simpsons, yeah. like, can I reach the control panel? Yeah, but it was it was just constant, right? There was no appreciation. And today, I mean, I you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that have gotten older that have you know look at Shatner. I mean, even 30 years past, he's still he's still he's still at it, but. Yeah, I, I think that would be the only medium that it could really be successful and kind of keep all the, the media folks at bay because we, we don't need that. That's like one of the last bastions, really, where people just have no hesitation in firing for effect. <laughs> they just don't. Well, yeah, well, and we'd be able to have data back, you know, yeah. because we wouldn't have to worry, you know, because that was part of the reason why, you know, Brent was like, I can't do data anymore. I'm getting old, and even with all the makeup and everything, it's still showing. And so, you know, we'd be able to have him back and still be data. Absolutely, yeah. And, and people, I think people get a wrong impression of Brent Spiner, just like they got a wrong impression of Leonard Nimoy back in the 80s about, like, hating data or hating Spock, right? I mean, the perfectly logical reasons. He's like, look, I'm an ageless android. I'm getting old. Like, I cannot do this anymore. So, I mean, that, that, that to me, that makes perfect sense. Now, they could have wrote, like, oh, we, I'm glad you added that aging subroutine data or, you know, some garbage. <laughs> line like that but i'm glad they just like accepted the fact that they're getting older and, and that's that's the kind of that's the uh the paradox or not paradox but the that's the struggle of star trek because when if you think about star trek right these are people that they're like mi the military plus nasa so all these people are going to be older if they're captains and commanders i mean it just it makes sense so they've gone through the ranks so your main cast is not going to be this young sexy cast right uh, they're going to be older people, and, and and that goes on for because if you look at like the next generation, they were all in their mid thirties in season one, and then Patrick Stewart was almost fifty. So you just extrapolate that out, and then by the time you get to the movies, you're like, well, they aged a lot. I'm like, yeah, well, when you, between your mid thirties and your <laughs> yeah. mid fifties, you age a lot. You know, come on, people, deal with it. But I uh, I, I think and that, and then that the answer to that is that you know that Academy show, Haley. You know, I mean that that would be kind of the, the okay guys, you want your young sexy Star Trek here? They are their kids early 18, 19 year olds yeah. and they're supposed to be and it makes sense. So anyway, that, that these all kind of tied together. Now there is there is one last show that Variety I'm going I'm going to read you the exact quote Variety says. A limited series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. I'm like, why even why even put that in there? That is not that is nothing. That means that means nothing. Like you could say I could say that. I could make a tweet like, "Hey guys, I got some inside info. They're working on a Star Trek show. I can't share any details with you, but hey, it's coming. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> anyway, I'm not even gonna bother to speculate about that because it's it's nothing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't happen, well, obviously it costs too much. They couldn't get cast. Yeah, you can play games with it. Yeah, you get a fifty-fifty <laughs> shot of it yeah. turning out. But I, exactly, I, I will say there is one. I mean, the one thing I still want to see. I don't care where, when, and how. I want to see more on-screen adventures of the lost era of Star Trek between Star Trek Six and Next Generation. There's so much to be done there. You could have. You could have, well, I mean, we're, time keeps passing, people. Hurry up or we can't do this. But you could have George Takei or Walter Canning do a cameo, launch the show as Chekhov or Sulu. Ken is, Ken is <laughs> feverishly nodding no. <laughs> what, what, what's your, what's your uh, opposition to that, Ken? Unless you recast them, no. You can't do that. Well, no, but they're, no, they're old. They're like, here's Admiral. Admiral Chekhov, head of Starfleet. Oh. He's in the first episode, the Pastic of Baton. Okay, yeah. So, okay. I'm not saying yeah, he stars yeah, reti in Retired in Starfleet uh, nursing home telling stories <laughs> absolutely god bless these guys because they show up all the time at these conventions or whatever but it is harder and harder to kind of 
you know, see them, um, you know, they're, they're doing their best. God bless them. Yeah, but right. yeah, something right. along those lines. I see. But I think they would be out of Starfleet. Well, I see I'm what looking you're for saying. a pass the baton. I'm like, like I'm past. I've got the whole Captain Sulu thing out of my system. I know it's never going <laughs> to. I know it's not going to happen. George Takei is not going to have his Excelsior show. I get it. But I think, you know, just like you know, the tradition of all the, you know, the, the Berman era shows was, OK, we have a, a character from the last show and the pilot of the next show to pass the baton. I think that'd be a nice gesture. And then, you know. Uh, well, you still you have, have, there's so much you can do. Yeah, you're right. You still have John Harriman, right, from the Enterprise B. You have all of that. I think – no, I'm serious. I yeah. think if they did an Enterprise B show B and C. starring John Ruck, yeah. uh, uh, he could, like, get some, you know, um, respect back. Because he, you know, he was a joke. He was, a, you know, laughed off as a captain in Generations. Very incompetent. But he was he was in over his head. He was green. You know, young guy, you know, a captain, that character-wise. I think the Enterprise B could get a lot of respect back if you just, you know, do an Enterprise B show. I mean, he's done television before. He's about the right age, surrounded with people. Hey, get Tim Russ back to play not Tuvok, right? <laughs> or just, or, you know, on uh, you know Tim Russ, he was in Generations. He was the human guy. Let's just, we can just imagine he was actually Tuvok and put him on the B, you know? Um, then just, you know, maybe what's Demora Sulu doing these days? And then just a bunch of new characters. I don't know. I'm saying... You could do like you said, Ken. The the C. You could do the Enterprise C as well. We know how that series is going to end, right? So, <laughs> I guess so. That was my initial hope. You know, before Discovery came about, was that it was going to be set in between TOS and TNG. That's what I wanted because I'm like, there's so much there, and and we just don't really know and they, they could have done it but i mean i'm happy with but isn't that what meyer kind of hinted they were going in that direction at one time well even i uh, think what's his name because i know i had what's heard it, that uh, there was rumors to that brian fuller i don't he yeah he, he hinted that he's like yeah star trek six six is the main inspiration for what we're going I'm like oh great we're gonna see picking up off star trek six that's wonderful but i, I get it they want to they want to like have a clean slate of visuals and everything, and then there might be some legal stuff too there. I don't know, but anyway, we're, there's some random speculation for more shows. Since apparently there's a five-year contract of Star Trek expansion going on on CBS All Access, so who knows what we're gonna find? But that's what Variety says might be coming. But we we shall see. Honestly, what I'm most looking forward to on CBS All Access is the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone that's coming out <laughs> at the end of this year. I'm very excited about that, but. Anyway, Ken, I know this is your favorite topic. Quentin Tarantino directing a Star Trek film, and uh, <laughs> Zachary Quinto has commented on it. So, so what, what, what are your thoughts on this news from from Quinto talking about how they might uh, uh, actually the the Tarantino's film might be a Kelvin timeline film? You know, it's funny, Zach. Uh, my first eleven years in the Navy, I was a cryptologic technician, right? So you would you would gather all these little puzzle pieces and try to put together the whole puzzle so you could see everything that's going on. And all we're getting is a tiny little fraction of a piece of information, which is really taken off. So there's two things, right? You've got the new Star Trek four, which since the day beyond came out, we heard was going to be made. Chris Hemsworth was coming into it to play Kirk's father. Da, 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 da. Now that looks like that's happening, right? That's, that's getting underway. Uh, they've, they have SJ Clarkson already assigned as the director. So she's, you know, um, flushing it all out, I guess, with um, the original contracted writers for Beyond, even though they were kind of kind of pushed off and they were they were given this assignment. And then we've been hearing about Tarantino for quite a while, who's a big Star Trek fan. And nobody knew what direction he was going to go in. But everybody that uh, had followed Tarantino knew that yesterday's Enterprise was his favorite Star Trek episode of all time. Right? That was 
for whatever reason that, that you know it's a lot of people's favorite episode but it, it was mm-hmm. it was definitely his and so people said oh is he gonna go with the new timeline is he gonna go more towards next generation recasted rebooted where is he going and then we get this little snippet from uh quinto who says that uh, uh tarantino's team reached out to his agent to start talking about his star trek movie and that's all he really said and so now it's like, oh, there could be a fourth and a fifth um, new timeline, Kelvin timeline movie, one with um, S.J. Clarkson and one with Quentin Tarantino. And I'm just so anxious to get another movie. Ma- I am more excited about a Star Trek four and a Star Trek five right now uh, <laughs> than I am for Discovery. And I love Discovery. I just I'm just ready. You know, it's like, come on. I need my fix. I know we're going to see a little bit of the Enterprise coming up and all that stuff, but not the way I want to see it. I want to see this cast. I want to see this crew. I want to go. I want to go tomorrow. Let's go. I don't know what it is. Other, you know, you, you can kind of look at Paramount sometimes and go, there's a reason why you guys aren't doing well. You take too damn long <laughs> to get things moving, yeah. right? You Absolutely. You, abso- you exactly. absolutely blew the marketing for Beyond, which was by far the best of the three Star Trek new ones, in my opinion. Oh, nine was damn good. I, I can enjoy Into Darkness, but I see all the flaws. And Beyond was, to me, Star Trek Reborn, right? That was just a great ride. So come on. You've got, you, you now have the winning formula. You know the gaps that you had. Um, it made money. It didn't make a ton of money, but it made money. Control your budget, and let's go. Come on. We're waiting. Besides, it's Standard Orbit, man. We need more material. These guys have no consideration <laughs> for the best original series and new uh, series podcast there is in the world. Come on, let's go. That's my that's my diatribe. So what do you think, Haley? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know on the on the Quentin stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 not super thrilled and excited about it. I'm definitely ready for the next Star mm-hmm. Trek movie with S. J. Clarkson. Um, but I, no. What, what, what is like your, you said, what is your I main would objection love, I would love to, to Quentin Tarantino? Well, you know, we had the bit where he came out and he said, you know, it would be an R-rated film. And that, I think, is one of the biggest turnoffs for me. I don't follow a lot of, of Quentin's work, but I have seen a lot of it. And there's just enough of a concern for me, being a parent who shares Star Trek with her kid, that it's it's not super on my, yay, I'm super excited about, you know, a fifth Star Trek movie, even if it is with the same cast that we've had for the last three and the next one. Just because if it does go that route, it's not something that I can share with my kid. And I've had the question posed to me about Discovery and sharing that with with my kid but on that you know I'm more apt to share that with her because it's still Star Trek and I think it embodies a lot of what Star Trek is this whole Quentin thing where we haven't had a lot but hey it's gonna be R-rated and and hey this and hey that and and you can see the speculation and you can see what might potentially happen and I'm like, I can't take my kid to that, and I can't share that one with my kid for a lot, for several years because of who knows what would it would be. Now, granted, this is all speculation, and it could very much change. It could not be R-rated. It could be, you know, maybe a few swear words here and there. It happens. I'm sure my kid hears it at school from other students. She hears it from me every now and then when I 
slip in the car. But if the story is too much in line with a lot of what Tarantino films are known for, then it's something that I can't share with my kid. And that would turn me off, and I wouldn't see it. So I'm not super thrilled, but I am super thrilled about Star Trek IV. <laughs> so so colorful, colorful metaphors are a concern. So no problem. No, I understood. Uh, also, you know, with, with Tarantino, though, you know, he is a Star Trek fan. So I don't think he's going to come in and have everybody say MFR and heads are blown up, right? And, gra- you know, people getting shot point blank in the face and bleeding out, right? I think he would have well, some yeah. level of restraint. Uh, I, I, you know, because I think R-rated can be artfully, tastefully done. And he's, he, you know, he's an artist. He's a true artur, you know, of, of the directors that are, that are in Hollywood today, right? You hear Quentin Tarantino, you're like, oh, okay. He has a creative vision. So I, I do understand your concern. I mean, I, I have the same concerns about Discovery, where it's like, this is, this is rated R. You know, <laughs> this is some, you know, this is some intense stuff. Like, and, and that's my, you know, I think, I've said this before as well. I think the new Battlestar Galactica is like the perfect, like, all right, this is as far as I'm going to take my sci-fi and have it still be like, sit down with their family and watch it, you know, because, you know, as we both like grew up watching Star Trek with our family and want to continue that with our own families, I want to do that as well. So I, I agree with you, the same concerns about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to give Tarantino the benefit of the doubt here because he is a Star Trek fan. I think he does understand what Star Trek is, what its values are and what the audience of it is. So I don't think he'd want to alienate anyone uh, by making it too extreme. Yeah, well, and I can see that he, as a fan himself, that he probably wouldn't. But until there's a little bit more, I'm just going to be a little bit about it. Just because until we get anything more about it to say otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I haven't shown my kid. She hasn't watched Discovery yet. Um, I went through and watched it first just because avoiding spoilers on my Twitter feed and whatnot. I was just like, I, I want to avoid it. But I also wanted to watch it just because, you know, I've watched all of TNG and then she's watching it and I'm going through a DS9 rewatch right now and sometimes she'll watch it with me. So as a parent, it's nice to know, I think, with some things to watch it beforehand to say, okay, this is something that would be fine for my kid to watch or this wouldn't be, you know. And yeah, we watched TOS together for the first time for both of us, you know, but we watched it together and I think it was, you know, it's fine. But um, I will show her Discovery eventually if that's what she wants Mm. to watch. Well, I I appreciate listening to your concerns and views because I think there's a lot of parents out there that probably think along those same lines. I, um, I am hopeful because Discovery is not something you can watch with your kids. It's not. I mean, it's uh, there are certain episodes, no doubt, but not, but by no means the whole series. Uh, not, and it's not the language, yeah. really. That's only that's very few and far between where they really slip. But it's more in the gore and the surgeries and the Klingon sex and the things like that. I think that people would go, eh, you know, I don't know. The uh, the quote unquote adult situations. The quote unquote adult situation. Yeah. The last episode had some really weird themes to it, and you know, I, like I said, it's. Um, it's it's not it's it's definitely Star Trek for a different generation, no pun intended there for Discovery. I think that uh, like anything else, if Tarantino's behind it, I think it'll be very creative. But I think it's very wise to see it on your own first, and then make your determination where it goes. And I understand the um, the fear because uh, you know Tarantino's last movie, The Hateful Eight, wasn't very good, and it was incredibly violent and over the top. 
And I didn't like it. Yes. I mean, I really hated that movie. And a lot of it was, I don't think I can handle watching this woman get punched in the face one more time. It really got frustrating for me. Um, and so it's like, to me, it's like, I, I hope he can come back with, I know he's doing the Manson thing, which I have very little interest in. The movie Helter Skelter was all I needed, and the book Helter Skelter was all I needed to read to understand Manson stuff without seeing uh, another movie about it. But if he's coming to Star Trek, I'll be very curious to see what he pulls off and what he brings to it. Because it's kind of like, um, you know, at the time, Robert Wise coming in to do Star Trek The Motion Picture. That was one of the largest names in Hollywood of that time, right? And then since then, we've had cast members and Nicholas Meyer. And, you know, we haven't had big people until J.J. Abrams. Stuart Baird! Yeah, until J.J. Abrams <laughs> came along, we really haven't had big-time directors playing in the Star Trek world. So it would be interesting to see how both S.J. Clarkson does in her graduation from mostly television uh, in, into movies and her interpretation of things. And... Um, and, and Quentin Tarantino, just because, you know, he's done some incredible works in the past. Well, like I said, he's he's been kind of, he hasn't been hitting him out of the park like he was his first five or six, that's for sure. I think we'd be less concerned, just in general, if they were if these were coming out in a lot of frequency. Like if there was a Star Trek movie every other year, it'd be like, oh, okay, sure, there's going to be seven or eight of these. Give Quentin Tarantino one. Let's see what he does. But since we're like, okay, we have three. We're still waiting on four. Maybe we'll get five. It's been ten years since these franchises started, and we only have three movies. So, yeah, I mean, these are these are like precious, and you don't want to like waste one. So, I think that's that's a lot of the concern. As that's well. a fair one. Yep, that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. I agree. Yep. Well, yeah. I, well, fi the final word for now, right on on Tarantino is uh, Quinto's exact quote is. Uh, that would be the one after Star Trek Four, which I think is also in the works. He is doing his Charles Manson movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this summer. So we will do this one now and then that one down the line. So Quinto seems to think that uh, he's going to be in 4 and 5. Um, Quentin Tarantino will be doing number 5. So we, we will see around 2024, I think, is at, the, at this pace <laughs> when Star Trek uh, uh, Five comes out. Because it's, seriously, we have... 2016 was beyond, right? And they're talking about maybe a 2020 release date for the next one, which is, that is ridiculous. Like you said, Ken, they, they, they squandered all this time, and they had so much momentum going in when we when we started this franchise. And here we are, like, hopeful we were probably it, four and five. Yeah. You know, and ten years later. And Discovery was ridiculously late. So, I mean, I, I don't know what it is with Star Trek. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Get it together, yeah, Star Trek. And, and, why, and why the hell do we have to wait another year for the first episode of Discovery? To me, the, the whole franchise is managed poorly from a scheduling, from a fan. You know, they are not great to fans sometimes. I don't think either CBS or Paramount. You know, the the finished product was pretty good in both cases, but jeepers, let's go. I mean, people are going to fall off. There's too many other things that people will get into, and they'll lose interest. And that's the microwave society we live in. If you don't stay relevant, you won't be. And these guys run that huge risk of of killing themselves because they take too much time. That's my opinion. I think, I think it's turned into, you know, we... There was the trope of O'Brien must suffer. And then it was Harry Kim must suffer or die, right? Now it's the fans <laughs> must suffer. 
<laughs> I think you're right, Haley. Before before that, it was Chekhov <laughs> must suffer. So yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So I think it's it's just progressed. It's gone from the characters to now the fans must suffer and sit and torment and, right. and so you, wait. Yeah, there's there's a fine line between oversaturation and like not enough at all. Well, you know, it's we, not we, that the, fine the a line. The pendulum has come all the way around. It's not that fine a line, right? If you look the the eighties did yeah. it right. The '90s did it wrong. The 2000s didn't do much, right? I would say, I would say, I would say the late '90s did it wrong. I think the early '90s they had a good, like, slight crossover between Deep Space Nine and TNG with a movie every now and then. Once we started having the movies and Voyager and Deep Space yeah, Nine, three series and then movies, it, it just got yeah, and that's what happens, right? But I, that is oversaturation, and I agree with you. But that's, I don't think it's that final line. I'm not looking for three series in concurrency, but I mean there could be if these, if every one of these rumors, apparently, apparently these reports, if all these rumors are true, okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'd rather have too yeah. much than not enough. That's just me. Well, and you know, so coming as a fan of, I can say you know it's it's hard to wait. Like I I want the next movie definitely for sure. Um, just because that has been something that I've enjoyed sharing with my daughter and and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, why do we have to wait for Discovery? And I'm sitting here and I'm going, yeah, I'm an Orphan Black fan and we had to wait an entire year for the next season and then there was only 10 episodes a season and then you had to wait another year and you can look at people who are Sherlock fans from BBC with, with Benedict Cumberbatch and they have to wait like really long and you know sometimes doctor who fans have to wait you know quite a while for for the next one and so i think sometimes that suspense and that waiting can be a good thing because then you know it gives us fans time to sit here and speculate and talk and oh maybe they're doing this or maybe they you know they could be doing this or or you know, and it is frustrating, but at the same time, I think it's it's good because then they're taking their time to make really quality stuff. That when we do see it, you're like, oh yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think the numbers for uh, CBS Online will tell the tale whether people were willing to wait that long or they just got like, eh, you know, because Discovery is decidedly mixed. I, I like it, but it's very mixed. It's not it's not a home run. Like I'm not, I, I'm you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Discovery. I'm not, but I will support it because I want to see more Star Trek. Right. You know, uh, I'm not gonna blindly like oh, I love it. It's great. No, but, but no, I'm gonna support it because I understand. Okay, this is the first step to getting more Star Trek. But I just get listening to all you guys talking. This has been a great discussion. I think breaking all this down. I have a new analogy. I'm very proud of. Let me know if I should share this with the world or just keep it to myself. But you know, you know, they say like Star Trek is like pizza, right? Even when it's bad, it's good. Well, I have another pizza analogy now with Star Trek. Do you guys have? Do you guys have CC's Pizza? No. Are you in your parts of the country? No. No, we have real pizza. Well, We're in the Northeast. We have a <laughs> lot of Italians here. Imagine, like, I love Italian, and so do <laughs> imagine, like, like, like a pizza no. buffet. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> like a ima- no. Imagine a pizza buffet, right? Like, like all you can eat pizza buffet, and there's pizza there, and it's there's all kinds of different pizza. And they're always there. When you when you play, run out your plate, you go up and get your next piece. You try your different kinds of pizza. And there's really no complaints there. Because you're like, okay, I didn't like this one. I'm going to try this one. There's always a new one coming out. This one's kind of stale. A fresh one's coming out. No problem, right? So, th- you know, imagine that. That is what Star Trek should be like. You know, it's a pizza buffet. Instead, what we have, so we're like at some, like, 
white tablecloth rest right tablecloth restaurant. We're having to wait forever to get our table. The pizza comes out. You order a pizza, it comes out, and it's like, yeah. That was okay. Probably not worth the wait. I don't know. I mean, the ambiance was nice, I guess, and whatever. Maybe next time it'll be better, and you come next month, and you get another pizza, and you see. And I feel like that's where we are, <laughs> you know, as Star Trek fans here. So that's my brilliant analogy. Take it or leave it. And now I want pizza. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Standard Orbit brought to you by Papa John. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, we're getting on Discovery now. So let's talk about Anson Mount being Pike. He, you know, he posted that, that video of him and they were making him with the makeup and the hair and everything. What'd you guys think about that? You excited? Right, Zach, you... Oh, no, no, I'm here. I thought I thought Zach was going to speak. I saw him oh. get... It looks like he was winding up to the microphone. So he was getting... No, no. Re- I was, I was going to... I was taking... I was measuring my thoughts. I was going to come up with something. Oh, okay. But, uh... Um... Yeah, Anson Mount, he seems to be very excited about playing Captain Pike, right? Which is great. You love to see actors who are excited about getting these genre roles, right? And uh, and he's started to get pretty active on social media. He brings his dog up with him. Dog, his dog's in his trailer all the time, so which is which is great. Um, and uh, you know, he 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 said that it's like the biggest production he's ever been a part of. And he's he's been on movies, TV. You know, he's very impressed with the whole uh, ambiance up there. He's talking about Jonathan Frakes has been a great. You know, a resource up there is a Star Trek, uh, Star Trek alum, and uh, you know everybody's asking about everybody asking about working with Cole Meany, Chief O'Brien, because they worked together on Hell on Wheels. So you know, he he's he seems to be pretty enthusiastic about it. I'm enthusiastic about that as well because you know I am not too hot on Discovery, but I am very excited. I love the the way the Enterprise looked, you know, uh, when when it showed up at the end, and I'm very interested to see what they do with Captain Pike, um, a great character who we haven't seen very much of. And so to see an actor who's really embracing it 100% is very great to see. And I'm looking forward to him whenever that might be. I'm not sure when Discovery Season 2 is going to start. Does anybody know, by the way? Is that in the news somewhere? But I'm looking forward to seeing him when it starts. Yeah, they say January is supposed to start, which means probably March or April. But um, <laughs> just using CBS and Paramount Lingual. Um, you know, I didn't really know much about this guy, and uh, it it was it was fine. I... I I have to admit, I was like, ah, oh, I wish it was Bruce Greenwood. You know, I just, right. I wanted to see that. I really wanted to see yeah. that connectivity. <laughs> I wanted to hear that they, they asked Quinto to come back. Um, and I, I don't, you know, and, and somehow, some way, they, they're, they're talking about not even showing Spock and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't really want to see that recast. So right now, you're right. The Enterprise showing up at the end of the last episode, Discovery, saved the last episode because it was just a terrible <laughs> way to end the series. It, 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 it's such great episodes that season. And the last one just stunk on ice until that piece. And it's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. What's this? You know, there's this exciting thing. Here's the Enterprise. And she looked beautiful. And um, so I, I'm anxious to see it, but I don't get too, too carried away with, um, you know, the actors unless, like I said, if it was Bruce Greenwood, I'd probably be paying more close attention because I didn't know who he was or could really care. I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I'm glad he's happy about it. Go, go, go. I, I, I'm ready for some Star Trek. I, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast are going, yeah, tired of listening to podcasts. Want to see some shows now. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of bummed about that too. I definitely wanted to see Bruce Greenwood as Pike, but I'm I'm excited and I think it's great that he's excited and you know, I think he's mentioned that he he's a fan of Trek as well. 
So I think it's great that, you know, we get these actors who are so excited to play a role and, and join this, this family because, you know, we talk about it. Um, you know, the three of us are going to be at STLV and, and it's very much a family, you know, the fans are a family and, and we feel that the actors are part of that family too. And so I think it's great that he's excited to, to join this, this big adventure. And I'm excited to see him as Pike. Um, I, I want more of a number one than probably a Spock, but uh, that would be, because I think we, we need to see more of number one, and I, I posited on Twitter, uh, I'm team Tatiana Meslani, I think she'd be a great number one. That's for more from Black, correct? It ah. is. She was the, the main actress in that show. Um, she did a phenomenal job. She's done some movies as well. Um, if you guys, uh, our listeners, probably don't know about Orphan Black, I don't think I've talked about much of it, but uh, it's my other main love. You should check it out. But um, she's done great. She was in Woman in Gold. She did Stronger about the Boston Marathon. That movie, uh, the, oh gosh, I can't remember the other actor uh, who played her boyfriend, but she was in that. And uh, yeah, she's done some other stuff, and I think it would be great. Okay, there it is. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I know. I hope, I hope we see all those. Cool. I hope we see all those guys. I hope we see um, Jose Tyler and Doctor Boyce and you know all all, the, all those guys. We'll see though. We will. Gertrude. See. But you know, uh, Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sulu can be the botanist uh, earlier than usual. On, on there. But um, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm with you guys. You know, I, w- I would like to see Bruce Greenwood. I would like to see Ben Cross as Eric. But you know. Um, I don't know if you guys knew, but CBS and Paramount are two different companies, right? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't say. Uh, just tied it all together. So, so yeah. Any, any, any final thoughts on anything, guys? If, if any of these, all this Star Trek news and stuff we talked about this week, um, connected to TOS, some and some not. <laughs> what are you most excited about of all these rumors, Haley? What about you? What, what are you most excited for? You know. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that we have the potential over the next five years to get more Trek. Not just in movie form, in TV form, whether that's on actual TV or whether it's just streaming or it's both. I, I think that's great because, you know, we have these fans that have come in and have just joined because of the new films, because of the JJ films. And... I, you know, I've run across some of them that are going back. I met some last year in Vegas that they've gone back and they've watched some of the original series or TNG or whatever series just they popped it up because of the films. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And then the more content that we can get, even if they don't go back and watch the older content, I would love them to. But if they can watch the newer stuff and then keep it going forward because, hey, this is five years, we can say, hey, maybe after this five years, we get another five years and another five years. And then we can keep this train of moving. Cam, what about you? Oh, Star Trek Four, definitely. Let's go. <laughs> I-, I need to see the Enterprise A. I want to get out there with uh, Captain Kirk and the crew and um, and just keep this adventure going. I mean, I- I'm excited for all of it. You know that. But for me, it's definitely um, we, we're waiting too long uh, again for Paramount to kick the tires and, and light the fires. It's time to move. So, yeah, I'm ready. 
as for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably still excited about that Nicholas Meyer miniseries just because that that's the main draw for me for Discovery because, you know, when Discovery was first announced, it's like, oh, okay, cool, new Star Trek show. Then there was a lot of news that was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this, that. You had creators coming and going. But the Nicholas Meyer being involved was the one like, all right, Nicholas Meyer writing Star Trek, and I'm very excited. And then that kind of fell to the wayside. I'm like, oh. So I, I, I want to see another Nicholas Meyer Star Trek project. That is what my eyes are on. I, I hope it's, it's not been hanging on the vine too long. <laughs> At this point, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, that, that's what I'm I, 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 And again, of course, I'm looking forward to all of it because the more content, I want that pizza buffet, right? But if I had to pick one pizza, I would keep going back to it would be the Nicholas Meyer pizza. Yeah. Star Trek news and rumors for Star Trek 4, Star Trek 5, Star Trek Discovery, and other Star Trek projects. I'm the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Meta Treks. You can see the Gene Roddenberry playing with the idea of what we could become given our full potential and the aliens that have achieved that looking down and, and kind of criticizing or examining or evaluating humanity from a moral standpoint, almost like Q does in, in putting humanity on trial. There's a sense in which humanity is being judged by these morally superior aliens that are genuinely pacifists. Or in the case of Q, genuinely narcissistic. Warp 5. There's 89 Suleban plus Archer and Mayweather, and now Reed, and nobody One notices this, an extra body because they don't have jumpsuits, so he doesn't have a number or anything. And probably all Suleban look alike to them. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. That's what we're getting at here, right? They're all yep. identical. There's a boy version and a girl version, and that's it. Literary Treks. Well, you know, when I was watching the show, the thing I saw when I was reading people's commentary about the show and, you know, the, what people's impressions of his character were, I was seeing a lot of people who, who were people who suffered like kind of social anxiety and, and kind of like, you know, um, issues about their sort of like the, the sense of self. And they were saying that they identified really strongly with the idea that Saru is this guy who's kind of like, you know, he's, he's being pulled in two different directions. You know, he has, he has a very strong ego, but he wants to be liked, you know, he's, he wants to be an outgoing character, but he's also quite introverted. And, and there were a lot of people who had that experience in their lives saying, this character really speaks to me because I see a lot of myself in them. The 602 Club. One of the things that really caught me were in the movie was this whole idea of the family dynamics that we get. And uh, I was fascinated with this because a lot of Spielberg's early movies are about families. But in many ways, through the lens of like divorce or possible divorce and um Deneuve said that in the interview uh that for the extras the director of arrival and, and blade runner 2049 he was talking about how that really struck a chord with him because one of the biggest fears for kids life in the 70s was you know parents uh splitting up and divorce was on the rise and so one of the scariest things that could happen to you would be to have your parents split up and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, 
You can always find us on trekfm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. We haven't had one yet, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also look contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So f- to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on, Babel, on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time, or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about all things Smallville, the young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011. And also, you can find me on the Babel Conference uh, complaining about things that uh, I don't like and praising things that I do like, because that's what we do as fans. So I look forward to talking to you all on there. What about you, Haley? Yeah, you can find me. On Twitter, I am Trekkie01D. I know some people like to call it Trekkie10D, but that would be incorrect. I am not on that one. You can also find me on the Babel Conference. I am enjoying uh, chatting with all of the listeners as I am new to this, but it's been fun. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Room.